Welcome to Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's Precious Cat, privately owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission has been to formulate a wide variety of litters for all types of cats, so they keep using their litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. Dr. Elsie has also created clean protein, wet and dry foods that are specifically appropriate for a cat's nutrition needs. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, everything your cat expects you to know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give your kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. Often sharing my conversation with feline expert Dr. Michael Maria Delgado, along with other cat authors and experts. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival, which brings together short films from around the world that celebrate kitty cats. The festival premieres every fall in New York City and then travels to theaters across America and Canada, with a portion of every ticket going to local cat welfare organizations with the support of Dr. Elsie's. I'm so glad to have Ellen Carraza back. She is known as the Cat LVT, and a licensed veterinary technician is quite different than the person who stands beside your vet when you go in for a regular checkup and just takes down notes on how fat or thin your cat has gotten recently. It's much more complex and much more a co-doctor almost. But Ellen, I've invited you back because you mentioned the Chris Giffey Memorial Foundation, which is something you started in memory of a co-worker who committed suicide and you wanted to honor his memory. And you do quite amazing things for cats and kittens. Can you talk how about how you started it? And given the 12 hours you spend on your feet in the middle of complicated uh, surgeries beside these specialty doctors for cats, why you thought you should take some more time and energy to start this foundation? Sure. Well, you know, number one, thanks for having me back. It's always a, a pleasure to talk to you. And yeah, we do a lot with the Chris Griffey Memorial Feline Foundation. Um, as you know, it was named after an honor of a co-worker. And, you know, he wanted to be a caseworker, a social worker when he graduated college. So we felt that this was a project that we could do in honor of his memory because kind of keeping on the track of like helping the needy. And so what we do is we take in the extreme pediatric and neonate cases and we, our method is that rescue, rehabilitation and rehome um, to try to get these little kittens home they deserve instead of having euthanasia as the first resort. So that's basically us in a nutshell. Okay, you in a nutshell are the person that says, I'm saving this teensy, tiny kitten that's in physical <laughs> distress. Right. So um, we usually have a lot of people reach out to us. We make sure that the animal actually fits what the program can provide because you do have that fine line of, you know, is this animal rehabilitation worthy in the fact, you know, what can we do to enhance this animal's life? Because yes. the last thing you want to do is put an animal through quite a bit and then wind up, you know, failing them in the end. And, you know, I'll be honest, there are some cases that we thought we were going to be successful with, and sometimes they're not successful. So you kind of have to, you know, weigh in the, you know, the good and the bad, and then also say, is it really for our program or can we educate this other veterinary team or this rescue team enough 
so they actually can learn how to take care of these animals too and continue it on their end so they're not just depending upon like one program all the time so we try to educate um you know, the veterinary community as well, instead of just, you know, saying, well, let me just take on this extreme project. I think it really makes a big difference that everybody else can kind of learn these methods too, and not give up on these pediatric and neonate cases so easily. And they are very easily given up on because there's not really a lot of medicine out there to, to help them. Everything is very much anecdotal, uh, you know, methods of, of treatment and care because there's nothing really marketed for neonates and pediatrics currently. That's very interesting because I guess what it boils down to is who would be advocating for them if not you right. and right. those extreme kitten lovers. And we mean teeny tiny kittens, not the fun, playful, you know, two month olds. We mean teeny tiny, almost ne well, neonate newborns, but very yeah. small and very <laughs> fragile. Who, you know, who is their advocate? It's not as though they are owned by a person usually who bought them, in which case they have a monetary right. and emotional connection. Because even if you were to buy a purebred kitten, you'd buy them at a much older age. And the breeder would be the one dealing with this teeny tiny sick kitten. So it's really right. guardian angel at a very high feline level. You're just the only guardian right. angels. And I guess that's why... You say that there isn't much literature and it's anecdotal. Is it because there's – not to say that people are are venal about money, but there's been no money behind it. Who's given someone the money to, to study the, the – to save a multi-week-old kitten, right? I mean there's no money in that. Right. And, you know, and, you know, there's that also that uh, thinking that, you know, there's so many animals out there, you know, why are we yes. saving this particular one when you can put the resources to so many? That's still some of the thinking that's out there. And it's unfortunate. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, you know, can you physically take care of this animal? Are you emotionally invested? And are you financially capable of covering the cost? I mean, these are all things that you have to think about when we're getting ready to work with one of these uh, animals because it does get really expensive. I mean, some of the bills on a few of the animals that we've had have gone into like 10 plus thousand dollars on the care. And then you have to make sure that when they do get adopted, they are adopted to the right family that's going to upkeep everything that you have done. That's so, right. you know, it really is unfortunate when you have that, that, you know, there are so many kittens out there. Why is this one just matter when we can just euthanize it and move on to the next one? And, you know, the thinking is, is, you know, a life is a life and medicine evolves. And we really need to learn how to evolve feline medicine because cats still kind of get like, you know, the, the you know, the dull end of the stick yep. when it comes to medicine in some ways. You know, what can we do to do better? Because the demand is there. But again, the expense can be incredible. So we utilize our program as a way of using these kittens as a learning tool. They are our teachers, okay? So we're not experimenting on them. Right. But there are, they are a teaching tool that our sole purpose is to rehabilitate them. Um, but, you know, they're, they're also, you know, very well loved. I mean, every, every single one of them that comes through the program um, – you know, are, are our favorite. <laughs> so, oh. you know, we, we do what we do our best to make sure that everybody learns about them the same way that we do. So it can be just as successful or even, 
have some sort of pearl of wisdom to help the next one in the future. And I guess that's true of all medicine, whether it's cancer study or, you know, in humans or in animals, something can seem hopeless. And well, wouldn't it be kinder to to do a humane euthanasia? But really pushing science forward and pushing knowledge forward is always taking those risks, whether it's a human who agrees to some sort of cancer treatment or an animal who right. somebody has invested enough in, and and often what they say about these these kittens and cats who go through horrific medical interventions and definitely suffer pain, and definitely are deprived of freedom and other things for a period of time. Haven't you found always, and I'm sure this is true with your favorites, he's such a fighter. He really wants to live. And it kind of gives me chills because it seems that there really are those individuals, whether they're human or animal, who say, please, I want to stick around. Give me a shot at this. Yeah. And then finding the per- the right foster family or the right nurse or yes. technician, whoever, to take on that project um, can be a project in itself because sure. we're looking at like long-term foster care versus like these very short-term hospital stays. And, and you know, that's when you're working with these kind of cats, people in medicine can be quite impatient. Like they expect something <laughs> to turn around immediately. And you're like, wait a second, that's not how it works. Yep. So these are like long-term chronic projects, but at the end when you are successful or these animals have a wonderful quality of life and they're thriving, I mean, you can't call that a failure. To me, that's a success. There well, are times that, you know, you have to call it and say, you know, we really can't save this one. And euthanasia is a humane option, but the majority of them we can do stuff for. It's about what are you willing to put into them? Right. Time, energy, money, and of course, the the time and energy, not just to care for them later, but to find the people who will help you, you help that cat on this long healing journey. Can you give an example right. of a condition or two that your foundation has said we'll take this on and then found vets and then adoptive families who want to be part of it? Because it's hard for people to conceptualize. Is it a breathing problem? Is it malformation, let's say, of the digestive or other other some other organ system at birth that needed correction with surgery? What, what kind of things do you deal with? A lot. And everybody will know that we had the famous Francis, who was this incredibly tiny micro kitten. He just wouldn't grow. And at the age of like four weeks old, he was the size of somebody who was like a little little bit one, two weeks old, perhaps. And, you know, we fought with him the entire time. And this cat just simply wouldn't grow. You know, are there things wrong with him? Put in a whole bunch of diagnostics, still couldn't find stuff. Months later, you know, turns out he has... um, a specific kind of a glomerular disease with his kidneys that prevented him from growing. But after being a year old, suddenly this cat decided to grow. So he was one of our fun cases that we just kind of were like, okay, we'll just take you day by day. Like, how is this kitten going to thrive? You know, meanwhile, right. you know, he was considered very unsafe at the shelter and they were considering euthanasia, but they were like, hey, let's contact Ellen. Maybe she'll take him. And then we have the incredible Pettable Egbert, who everybody loves Egg, who started off life as a completely normal kitten and then started having some issues with his hind end and progressively over time became uh, paralyzed in his hind end. And it wasn't from an injury, you know, was it from a disease? And so we had to go 
into, you know, getting this cat imaging and all these bizarre testing and even genetic testing. And to this day, I still do not have an answer for him. I'm still waiting on his genetic testing to see whether or not this is some sort of progressive genetic disease that causes this kind of paresis. Um, but, you know, he's with his other mom, uh, Kim, and he has a wonderful life. He goes everywhere. He goes to swim practice. He goes on car <laughs> rides. You know, he goes to Starbucks. You know, and you can't say this cat who can't walk right. or anything or needs, you know, some additional care. I mean, he can pull himself. He has a fantastic life. He, yeah. it, it is so enriched because they put the effort into enriching him. And I think that's one thing that uh, those of us in veterinary medicine need to realize, and even the public, you know, when you see these cats on social media, it's like, oh, this poor cat, you should, you know, put it to sleep. Right. Oh, I can't believe you put it through that. Well, number one, you're not in that family's shoes. So you really can't judge what's going on there. And you're not that, that cat's veterinarian. So you can't have that kind of medical input because you're not there to actually see how this animal is actually doing. You're not, you know, reading their, you know, their laboratory work or, you know, reading their x-rays right. and stuff and trying to figure out what they can do. But yeah, you do come across these animals that you're like, read them on social media, you're like, gosh, you know, I, you know, why is this really happening? And then you're like, wait a minute, like, this should be so inspiring, because if this was a person right. that this was happening to, mm -hmm. they would get as much care as they possibly could. But if it's an animal, I mean, that's a different story. You know, like, it's just an animal. To, to some people, these are not just animals. And to those of us in veterinary medicine, it shouldn't be just an animal. We should never look at them that way, but as a life on how we can always enrich these cats. And they teach us so much, especially with these foundation cats. I think they've humbled us quite a bit. And you have advanced knowledge. You have, you've taken yeah. information from the anecdotal to something proven and written down with tests and, and notes and something that others can learn from. I'm thinking of two different movies that have been in the Cat Film Festival that travels the country. One last year, or was it the year before, was about this beautiful orange tabby and um, it got hit by a car and it was paralyzed from, let's call it the waist down. And the whole movie was about this man who had given this cat this great quality of life. He went out with a, a little cat wheelchair. He had to express his bladder and he shows you in the movie how he did it, that it was no big deal. And this cat loved his life and he had ramps for him to crawl, carry himself up onto a table and look out a window. And this year there's one. So when it starts to travel again in 2022, there's a wonderful film about a young woman who took in this kitten that had no way to pee. And so she got vets to work with her just like you're talking about. She said they were the heroes. They found a way to put a, a catheter into the bladder and she had to make little pajamas for it. And this and this tubing came out. This cat was the most lively, the most happy, the most delightful cat. And the video got made because she made a donation to her local shelter. And when she, what she won for that, it was some sort of a raffle, was she could get a video made for her by a professional videographer. And she said, I'd like to make a video about this cat to inspire other people to realize not to give up, that there's so many animals with severe medical problems, but they're having a great life and you can have a great life with them. Well, the kind of really uh, goosebumps thing at the end that nobody really knows when they go to the film festival is this young lady had a life-threatening cancer when she was doing all this and she passed away 
And her grandmother took over the care of this cat, which was, yeah. you know, you had to express the bladder with this thing and keep it and keep it clean and and bathe the kitty and it had to wear pajamas all the time. It's really quite amazing, Ellen, that people are out there who want this kind of medical support, who want this kind of life-saving, life-altering intervention. And I think that other cats with less severe problems that could cross your path any day of the week will get will gain from what you're learning with the most disabled. Right. And the thing is what you have to realize in medicine too, and you know, hopefully anybody who's in medicine is listening, is listen to the people who bring these cats yes. into you. They want to do good by them. They want to find an answer. And it's up to us to either say, you know, hey, this is beyond my scope of knowledge, but I can help you and not jump to euthanasia simply because you don't know what's what's going on or how to treat something. There is a net, huge network for veterinary medicine out there that with specialists, with the online forums, et cetera, somebody's out there that can probably give you the nudge on That's the direction right. you need to go mm -hmm. in or to direct you to the right person. Like, don't give up on them so fast. But when somebody's like, you know, hey, I'm really invested on helping this animal. What can we do? Then you should be like, great, let's see what we can do instead of being so negative about it. I mean, I can't tell you that all of the emails and calls and stuff I get about how people are so frustrated from us in because sometimes we don't have an answer or they're not being given any direction. And I think, I think as a whole, we can do better always. We can always do better by our patients. I think it's an amount of humbling ourselves and, you know, dropping our egos a bit and saying, you know, Yo, hey, this is totally out of my scope. Let's get you to a specialist. Let's see what they say, too. Well, I and think, they go from there. I, mean, I, I you, think you, there's so much I, we can do. Yeah, there is. And we've run out of time. But what you're doing and what you've created in the Chris Giffey Memorial Foundation is absolutely fantastic. I know many, many cat lovers have found you already. But if others need direction, not necessarily your direct intervention, but support, help, being pointed in the right direction. I think what you're doing is terrific. Thank you so much, Ellen Carraza, the Cat LVT. You do so many great things for cats, and I'm really glad you could take the time to explain it. Thank you for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and appreciation of cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's Precious Cat, which created their own clean protein cat foods inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey to better satisfy a cat's appetite with ingredients naturally intended for her body. 90% of the protein in clean protein is animal-based, not plant-based as in many cat foods, which can compromise cat's health. Clean protein is the first dry cat food I can personally recommend as a healthy choice, although I always hope that wet food will be your cat's primary diet. Thanks again for being here.